الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد My dear friends Yesterday we spoke about hatred Today I want to because we've got less time I want to speak about I think just two short points One of them is called rejoicing at somebody else's misfortune somebody had an accident somebody had a leak in their house somebody had a problem with their children somebody failed their exam somebody lost their job or suffered any other kind of setback and for whatever reason you get excited by that this is what you call in Arabic, it's called shamata. Shamata. It's generally linked to shamatatul adu, which means the rejoicing at an enemy's misfortune. But unfortunately, sometimes, as I mentioned uh, before as well, that we may dislike somebody for no good reason. And then if something wrong happens to them, he said, good for them. Now the problem is that the Prophet ﷺ has really, and it's not a problem, but the Prophet ﷺ has actually told us not to do this. The Prophet ﷺ has actually mentioned that if you see somebody in some kind of distress or somebody who's just suffered some kind of setback, shortcoming, problem, accident, whatever it may be, he gave us a dua for it. The dua he gave us was, Alhamdulillahilladhi aafani mimma ptalahu bihi. وَفَضَّلَنِي عَلَىٰ كَثِيرٍ مِّمَّنْ خَلَقَ تَفْضِيلًا الحمد لله الذي عافاني مما ابتلاه به وفضلني على كثير ممن خلق تفضيلا Such a perfect dua at this, uh, at this point which is all praises to Allah who gave me safety, well-being and security from what He has tested Him with this is a test for him, accident maybe. There was one brother, just a few months ago, he got his Umrah visa. And with his group, with his entire group, he went from here on Turkish Airlines to Istanbul. There they checked his passport again and they said, you can't go, you can't carry on. Why? He says, I've got the visa. He says, yes, you've got the visa. But Saudi also requires that you have at least six months to the expiry date on your passport. And he was just less than six months. So he'd paid a lot of money for this. This was a holiday for him. He couldn't go at any other time. That means he has to come back, renew his passport, get a new visa and then go. All hotels, everything were booked. Now that's misfortune. Now we're supposed to, I, I remember when this was mentioned, this is the dua we read. All praise is to Allah, who gave us well-being and safety and security from what He has tested him with or her with. And He has given us, then we remember all the bounties of Allah and we say, and He has given us fadila and virtue over so many people. We remember the bounties that Allah has given us. Every moment of a Muslim's life should be reflective and remind him of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what Allah has given him. That's what it's supposed to be. 
Now, on the other hand, something wrong happens to somebody and we start getting excited about it, then that is very dangerous. This, as I mentioned before, there is no term for this in English. No one single term, right? But I think there's a German term that we borrow. It's called Schadenfreude. It's called Shamata. Schadenfreude. What that means is to delight and find joy in another person's misfortune. You get excited by it. And to laugh at the situation. Children do this all the time, but unfortunately adult, adults do it as well sometimes. It is narrated on the authority of Wathila ibn al-Asqa' anhu, the Sahabi, that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, do not, display, do not display joy at your brother's misfortune. Why? Lest Allah grant him well-being and afflict you instead. This is what frightened the daylights out of me. Because you know, as children, we laugh, at, we laugh at our friends when something wrong happens to them. And we then make fun of them for a very long time. Right? We then sometimes even make nicknames for people based on something that happened. And that nickname sticks. And you know, Allah forgive us. If we have made up a nickname for somebody. And that nickname sticks and it's a negative nickname. And the person doesn't like it then can you imagine for the rest of his life, anybody who uses that against him, you're going to get sin for it. Because you started that name off. If I make up a name for somebody and everybody finds out that name and they start calling him that name, can you imagine how bad that is? Allah forgive us from these kind of things. So, this hadith from Abu Dawud and Tirmidhi is saying that if you rejoice at somebody else's misfortune, do not do it because in this hadith it says Allah may give him well-being, he may relieve him and he may afflict you instead. And there's so many sayings as well and the sayings that what goes around comes around. What is it? What? Is that what it is? And while these are not sayings of the Prophet ﷺ, but these are common understandings that this is what happens. Life is very generic. If something happens to somebody today, he's a human being, you're a human being, it could happen to you. If it's an accident, then you drive a car as well. You could have an accident. If it's with his children, you have children. It could be with your children. It could be even worse. That's why I never rejoice at what bad happens to somebody else. So delighting in the misfortune of an enemy is extremely blameworthy. Even delighting in the misfortune of an enemy is blameworthy. Especially if one interprets it as a personal miracle or a response to supplication. For example, there's somebody that you have an issue with and something bad happens to them. Now you start thinking and maybe even tell people or at least you start thinking to yourself that you know it's because of my du'as or because he was bad to me, that's why. I'm such a great person, that's why he troubled me, I'm a wali of Allah and that's why this karama came up. And then you start, you make a, I mean, then you make a mazar in your house and you get people visiting you. <laughs> That's the next step. That's extreme. Rather, instead of that, a person must fear that this is Allah devising against him. If you start feeling like that, you must actually fear that maybe this is Allah making you think like that. So then he is going to now plan against you. So be saddened by this. Be saddened by the fact that the other person has had a misfortune. 
This is all about generosity of the heart. You know, especially if you don't like somebody and if they have trouble, believe me, it's very difficult to start making dua that Allah relieve them. You may say it in front of people, you'll say, oh may Allah re relieve him, but you know what, I think he deserves it. Right? May Allah relieve him, but you know he's such a bad person anyway. Right? It, you, in one breath we, I don't know if the dua is sincere, if that statement is sincere, which one is sincere? But it takes a big heart to be able to pray for your enemy, believe me. You know, somebody you're jealous of, to pray for them. Oh Allah, give them more. That is the antidote to jealousy. If you can do that, your jealousy will go away. If you pray for the people you're jealous of. So, what a person should do is to be saddened and pray that the other person's trial is lifted and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala replace him with something even better than the blessing that he, was, that he has lost. Of course, there's exceptions to everything. An exception is that if your enemy is an oppressor, as we discussed the other day, right? If your enemy is the oppressor and this affliction was due to that, is going to stop him from that oppression. Right? For example, he's supplying drugs everywhere and one day, you know, mashallah, they came and took all of his drugs away or they all, they all got lost or whatever the case is. Then that's a good thing because it's going to stop harming other people. So that's fine. But otherwise, don't think it's some big karamat of ours and start feeling good about it. In that case, one's delight is only due to the removal of oppression and not because of the trial itself. The reason that you're going to be satisfied there is not because he had a trial, but because his <coughs> oppression will stop now. Can you see the way to think about this? You're not satisfied at the trial or the problem. You're satisfied by the fact that he won't be able to trouble anymore, any, uh, anyone anymore. This much is permissible. I remember the hadith that I had read was that um, what they say basically is that if you rejoice at somebody and le let's just say somebody's committed a sin. Uh, somebody's done something wrong, they were on the wrong path before. And then after that, you keep insulting them about it. Y you, you keep reminding them about it. If the person has made tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then what it's what's mentioned is that you will not be able to die before Allah also engages you in that same problem. Somebody's done something wrong, then they've made tawbah, right? We don't know whether they've made... Remember the thing is that if somebody's made tawbah, we don't know or not. Yeah, if somebody continues to do something, it's different. But let's just say somebody 10 years ago was a bad guy. Somebody comes to you now to ask you, because you live in the same area, that can you tell me about that person because there's a marriage proposal. Now you know for 10 years he's been sober, perfect, decent. Should you tell him about 10 years ago? What do you think? Should you tell him? Anybody think you should? There are people who will. They think it's only honesty to tell. He might come back, he might be like that again after 10 years as though... I mean, generally, seven years is a maturity period. If you don't do something for seven years, I think you're sorted, generally speaking. Right? This is probably a sunnatullahi fil ard, because in sevens, right? It's a maturity period. So don't. But there's people who are, mashallah, hafiz of everybody's problems. If they put their mind to the Quran, they would have become hafiz of the Quran. But nobody guided them. 
Rather they were guided to know the bad points about everybody In fact some people they actually are proud of these things Because they think that this is ammunition You should know Because if something happens then at least you can use this You know I, 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 I get so many, so many, uh, so much information about people because you know people ask you things and seriously if I tried to remember all of that I'd have to do door of it you know revise it and that's, people do revise it every month or two they have to do panchat about the same people because otherwise they'll forget so they have to do they have to do revise it right so they have to find somebody they start talking about them uh, you know there's been there's been, Allah will promise you that if you leave matters to him you don't need to know people's bad things if you have your reliance in Allah and that person does something wrong to you and you rely on Allah and you think oh there's something bad that happened to my let me go and find out you don't need to put your hands in uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he will deal with it you don't have to keep the baggage it's not our responsibility this is what plagues us so forget about rejoicing at other people to then go and insult them on top of that especially if they've made tawbah if they have made tawbah from something then we're in big trouble because then the hadith mentions that we will not be able to die before we're also afflicted and that is serious because one day we were laughing at somebody tomorrow everybody's going to be laughing at us and it's going to be worse because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala see if if they are not an oppressor and we start laughing at them, then they become the oppressed. They were not an, oppre they were not an oppressed, they just something wrong and we started laughing at them. They become mazloom. Now the mazloom can be a non-Muslim as well. The hadith mentions that beware of the dua of the mazloom, the oppressed person. Because between his dua, him, his call, his plea, his cry and Allah, there's no veil. Allah will accept it. If that guy prays against us, we're in big, even bigger trouble. The next time we find ourselves feeling this way, we need to remedy this. And inshallah, it will be easy to remedy with the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second point, um, that's the end of this particular point. The second point that I want to mention today is shunning a believer, breaking ties with somebody, staying away from people, turning your face away, not keeping relationship. This is what I want to discuss. So another sin is to shun a believer, which is called Hajrul Mu'min. Man hajara akhahu fawqa thalathin, as the hadith mentions. Whoever abandons their brother, whoever abandons their brother for more than three days. So Hajrul Mu'min is considered another sin. So to shun a believer, why would you shun a believer? Because you have animosity towards them. This is another bad feeling and Allah doesn't want us to have any bad feelings in the heart. That's why that Sahabi, the Prophet ﷺ once mentioned, he was sitting in the masjid, he said there's going to be a person who's going to come in. Right? Imagine, just say now, that the next person who's going to come in, Allah loves him and he loves Allah. Now everybody's turning around, who is the guy who's going to come in now? I don't know, I'm not sure, maybe it's, there's that brother there, he's just coming. Right? So, one of the Sahaba, he decided to go and find out what his secret because he was not a well-known Sahabi. It wasn't like Omar, Abu Bakr, or somebody like that who you know of their merits. So after Salat, he went to him and he said, can I come and stay with you? I've got some issues at home. 
can I come and stay with you? It was quite casual in those days, you know, nobody feared anybody as, that, as such. The houses were quite open anyway, right? Today, even inviting somebody for food to our house is difficult, right? So, he said, yeah, you can come and stay with me. So he stayed with him for three days. He didn't see him doing anything extra. He used to wake up for Fajr, but there was nothing extra. So after three days, he was doubtful. He said, what's the, what's the so, such a big deal? A lot of us think that the big deal is only when you do lots of worship. But there's something which is even more valuable sometimes. So after three days, he confronted him and he says, look, I'm going to leave now. And the reason why I actually came to stay with you is because this is what the Prophet ﷺ said about you. So I wanted to find out what your secret was. But I haven't noticed anything. Now in those days, you know, you're sleeping quite close. You know, it, it's a very small place, so you can tell. You're not in like some other wing of the house or something. I haven't seen anything special. He said, I don't do anything special. I don't have anything special. So as he was about to leave, the person, well, the only thing I can tell you is that before I go to sleep, I empty, I, I, I sleep with no qualms about anybody. I sleep without any problems with anybody in my mind. Because of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves this person because the part is pure. He was doing his obligations, his faraid and everything, but he kept his heart clean. Keeping a clean heart is paradise in this world. You don't have to worry about anybody. The way to do that is, you know the people you have problem with, go and make salam to them. I do that specially actually. You know, as an imam, when you've been an imam, there's always going to be somebody who hates you. If, you, if they don't, then it means you haven't done your job well. Right? Because somebody, you're going to take somebody off. Right? You can't be loved by everybody. That's just impossible. Right? If you're going to say some karwi baate, right? if you're going to say some bitter things to people, they're going to start disliking you. Right? So I go to those people, Assalamu alaikum, brother. How are you? Assalamu alaikum, Musa. Assalamu alaikum, Ahmed. I know they've been speaking about me because somebody else came and told me. But I go and make salam to them. That's a remedy. Otherwise, I'm going to feel bad about them. That touching of the hand, that salam, mashallah, I hope it makes a difference to them as well, inshallah. I'm not making, I'm, that was just an antidote, because as an imam or in any position, if you're a committee member, if you're in any kind of position, there's going to be somebody who you might have an issue with. How would you, rec don't let anything go over time. If I feel that I've had an argument with somebody or a bit of an exchange, uh, I will try to give them a call straight away or go and see them to try to diffuse it, to apologize. I don't want anything to fester. The longer it festers, the more solid it becomes. Shaitan starts riding it. He starts feeding it. And you start feeding worse. Now, let me tell you an example. If you were very close to someone and you had a bit of an altercation, but you remedied it, there won't be too much of a problem. If you stayed away for one day right, with one, to, from one another, doesn't, that, doesn't it make it a bit more difficult to get back? That keeps coming in the way. If you, if you stayed away from now three days, that will solidify. See, if, I've got, if I'm very close to you and I have a problem with you, and then for three days I'm not talking to you and you're not talking to me, in that three days, I would have met you so many times, but I haven't now. I am going to now look for alternative friends and contacts and things to occupy me. So you become less in my eyes now. And over three days, then I don't see the point of reconciling. I don't see the point anymore. Because 
I'm going to become independent now. It just becomes worse. That's why the Prophet ﷺ said that if, you, if there does come a possibility, if there does come an opportunity that this happens, maximum is three days. After that, it's haram. For three days, it's a possibility that you have to work things out, take time, concentrate, reflect. But after three days, nobody should <coughs> abandon anybody else. So that's what he's saying here. It is narrated on the authority of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said, It is not lawful for a believer to shun another believer for more than three days. So if three days passed, he is then obliged to meet him. It, this is all part of the hadith. After three days, you are, it's further on you to go and meet them. Wajib on you to meet them. And he should convey the greetings of peace. You should at least say salam. It doesn't mean you have to go and have food with him. It doesn't mean you have to go and have a big two-hour meeting with him. You just have to say salam in a nice way. That's it. Now, if you say that, you know, with a lot of people, what? Uh, let me just finish the hadith off. If he responds to the greeting, you say salam and he responds to the greeting, then he shares in the reward. Otherwise, only you get the reward. If he does not respond, then he is sinful. But you're not sinful because you've done your part. You've made salam. According to another narration, the Prophet ﷺ said, Whoever shuns his brother for more than three days shall might very well enter the fire. Because after three days, it gets too firm. The enmity becomes firm, then it becomes much more difficult to reconcile. Because the wound gets deeper. Now, of course, all of this is to shun somebody for a worldly matter, for no reason whatsoever. If you have to shun somebody for the sake of a dini matter, and be careful about this, then that is allowed. Because some Sahaba did this. The Prophet ﷺ himself did it. In fact, the Prophet ﷺ told all the Sahaba to not speak to those three companions who had stayed behind from the expedition of Tabuk. Ka'ab ibn Malik, Murara ibn Rabi, and Hilal ibn Umayyah. Because by mistake, it was an accident, it wasn't... I mean, it was a mistake on their part. The munafiqeen, they'd stayed away as well. But these three were true believers and they stayed away. You know, he said, I'll go tomorrow, I'll go tomorrow, and then it got lost. When the Prophet ﷺ came back, he only punished them. The munafiqeen, they came and made excuses and said, okay, okay, okay. Because they didn't matter for them. But these people, he wanted their status to be lifted because they'd missed in the expedition. So the Prophet ﷺ ordered... All the companions to not speak to them for 50 days. 50 days. That is nearly two months. And Kaab's story, Kaab was very eloquent. So he writes his whole story about his feelings at that time. He said, I tried to go to the masjid. I used to look at the Prophet ﷺ. I used to say salam and see if his lips are moving or not because they wouldn't speak to me. My cousin would not speak. Only my wife was allowed. In fact, towards the end, even my wife was told to separate from me for a while. Can you imagine? He says that the earth became constrained. Bima uh, rahubat. Uh, Despite its vastness, the earth became constrained to me. You know, because you're living among people, but nobody's speaking to you. That is one of the worst things that can happen to you. I mean, look at this Weinstein. I mean, and all of these people who were big shots before and then... Allah Ta'ala protect us then they go down then nobody wants to speak to them the respect they had is totally lost now they're dishonored then it doesn't matter what you have 
Because human beings, human beings are social creatures. We relate to other people. And if our relationship with others isn't good, then we'll be miserable. That's why if you're going to shun somebody for the sake of Allah, then you better be right. Because shaitan will make you shun people and tell you that this is for the sake of Allah. We have people, you may know people like this, we have people in our communities who thinks everybody is messed up. Everybody's messed up and they, they've broken ties with everybody in their family. They won't go to their weddings, they won't go anywhere. Because they think that they're all messed up. If, that, if, you're, if one person's messed up according to you, then maybe that's okay. That's understandable because there are messed up people out there. Allah protect us from that. But if you think everybody is corrupt, then you're probably the most corrupt of them all because of the way you think about people. That's what the Prophet said. He says, if a person thinks that everybody's destroyed, right, meaning they're going to hellfire, they're destroyed, then he's probably the most destroyed of them because you've got arrogance. Because you think you know better than everybody else. You think you know the status of people according to Allah. So don't ever think that. So that's why it does say that if you're uh, abandoning somebody for the sake of the afterlife due to an act of disobedience, to dis discipline the person, then it is permissible and in some cases it would be recommended because it shows you're not supporting that person. Right? This was done by the Prophet and the companions as well. But nowadays, subhanAllah, Doing that, I don't know how much it works or not because we're so individualistic. People don't care about anybody anymore. anymore. So, uh, if you stop talking to somebody and say, I don't care, I'll stop talking to you as well. They don't feel bad anymore. So, you can only use this way, it's going to be effective, otherwise, it's going to backfire. And it's not worth it. Sometimes it's, it's more beneficial to keep the door open. There's one brother, I mean Allah protect us from this, but there's one brother who came recently, this happens all the time. This one brother came, he says, I've got a son, he's 23 years old, doesn't want to pray, doesn't want to do this, doesn't do this, what should I do? I said, well, it's a bit too late to ask now. The first question. If you tried your best throughout your life in a balanced way, and then they messed up, it's not even your responsibility. But if you were extreme, or you were not on the guidance before, and now after, you know, now you're trying to bring them on track, should I throw him out the house? I said, no, you can't do that. If you do that, then he doesn't care anyway. You've already put up a small wall. If you throw him out, it's going to be a bigger wall. He, you, then he's got no option. He needs fatherly love and eventually your fatherly love, you need to just change your tactic. Right? If he doesn't come to the masjid, okay, fine. Leave him. At least treat him like your son and show him the love. To a certain degree. You have to let him know you're displeased about what he does, but... At least show him that kind of love. Sometimes you go to the extreme, you have to play it because the culture that we live in, the society is very powerful. And the messages that children are getting, and the youth are getting, our sisters, our daughters are getting, is, aren't very helpful sometimes. You can, you can get abortions in, in your school, and you, you won't, uh, your, your, your daughter could get an abortion in the school and you wouldn't even know as parents. But they have to ask you if you have to, but, but they have to take your permission if, you, if they have to give them paracetamol. This is the world we live in. Right? Parents have to be informed if the child has an incident at school. Even if it's like a, a small bump. And can they be given paracetamol by the school? That they have to take permission from. But to get an abortion for a teenager, you don't have to take permission. Parents don't even have to know. 
let them flirt around, sleep around, do what they want and have abortions. No discouragement from that. That's the world we live in. So now if we're going to say, okay, we're going to disown you, that doesn't work. Most of the time it doesn't work because they don't care anymore. That's why keep the window open, keep the door open. But main thing is the du'as are from before. A balanced lifestyle, a balanced um, discipline procedure and love and understanding between the parents. That's what matters most. The final point I want to make about shunning somebody is that look, sometimes there is somebody in our life that we don't want to be with. We don't want to even want to speak to sometimes because every time we try to speak to them, they cause us problems. Or they've, done, they've been very harmful to us. Now, if it's a relative, then we don't have too many options. That's the problem. Because we're going to bump into these people once in a while. So what, our, what the responsibility is that you just make salam. You're not obliged that you invite them for food. Or that you go to their house for food. Or that you sit with them for hours. That is not an obligation. You know, if somebody's done something wrong to you, you're not obliged to go and sit with them for hours. No, nobody's, nobody's got time for that. Just salam. And just don't show any bad face. You can show your disapproval of what they've done. That's completely fine. You can try to get your rights, everything. But the communication needs to stay open. You don't have to be buddy-buddy, take them out to dinner or anything like that. So now this is the month of Ramadan. Before the 27th night, before the last 10 days, if we've got problems with anybody, then go and at least open up the communication and do salam. Send them a salam. Send them a salam by WhatsApp, send them a salam by text message, whatever the case is. If you're not brave enough to go and do it directly first, send them a message, right? Let them dream about it first. Then you go and physically say it, inshaAllah. Right? We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for barakah, and we ask Allah to free our minds. Wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين جز الله عنا محمد ما هو أهله أو الله in this month of mercy and forgiveness we ask you for a full share of it أو الله forgive our sins and any preventive factors from us that prevent the mercy from coming to us O oh Allah, we have many sins and defects to our name. We have many ailments, spiritual ailments and physical ailments. O oh Allah, we ask you for purity, purification, for cleansing. O oh Allah, grant us your love in our hearts. O oh Allah, grant us your love in our hearts. O oh Allah, protect us from evil thoughts. Protect us from, from paranoia. Protect us from depression. Protect us from thinking evil about others. O oh Allah, protect us from hatred, protect us from all of the bad qualities that should not be in a believer. O oh Allah, make us true believers, make us true representatives of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. O Allah, give us akhlaq as you would like us to have. O oh Allah, make us like you would want us to be. O oh Allah, fill our hearts with your light and your love and grant us a life of purity. Grant us a life of taqwa. Oh Allah, this Ramadan bring us closer to you than we've ever been before. Oh Allah, grant us acceptance of all the worships that we do. Oh Allah, grant us reward for the fasting that we do. Oh Allah, the taraweeh that we have performed and that we will perform. 
of Allah even sitting in the masjid, or Allah even listening to your kalam and your, uh, the words of your messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Oh Allah, give us a reward for this. Oh Allah, forgive us our mistakes. Oh Allah, forgive us our bad deeds and forgive us our bad akhlaq and character. Reform our character. Oh Allah, make us of those who are true, truly seen as believers and are truly believers in the heart. Oh Allah, we ask that you accept our du'as and you protect our children and our progeny and our families and the people around the world. Oh Allah, we ask that you bring back insaniya to the insan and you reward all of those who establish these masajid and marakis and institutes. And oh Allah, if they have departed this world, then oh Allah, grant them sadaqa, this as a sadaqa jariya and great reward in the hereafter. Oh Allah, allow us also to leave a legacy. Allow us also to make certain investments that will benefit us after our death. Oh Allah, grant us good understanding of these things. Oh Allah, send abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and grant us his company in the hereafter. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.